0: these monsters aren't alive. They're not even machines. They're creatures of
1: pure magic. Precisely, witch. Skalas has many means to destroy you.
2: I resent that. I'm a sorceress, not a witch.
0: So prepare for wizardly
3: combat. I want to show you a trick mother showed
0: me when you weren't around. Welcome to Spellburn, a podcast covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. This week on Spellburn, we're very pleased to have with us Judge Reed Filippo, creator of Crawling Under a Broken Moon magazine, and now the successful launcher of the American Survival Guide Kickstarter. We're going to talk to Reed about the history of Broken Moon, and about his new project, as well as round up Gary Con events. All this and more on this episode of Spellburn. I'm Judge Jeff. Judge Julian.
2: And Judge Jen. And our Reed special guest,
0: Reed Yay! Hey, Reed! Hey! All right, and uh, we're going to take this on over to Tavern Talk.
2: And the first rule of bartending is this GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book.
0: What do you have? Heineken! F- this! Sh- Tavern Talk. All right, this is Tavern Talk, and in this session, we talk about what we did in gaming this past week and what we have planned for next week. So, who would like to start?
2: Well. It's just me, but I think maybe our special guest should take the lead.
0: All right, Reed. Uh
1: I'd be happy to. Let's see. Last weekend, I didn't do too much of anything. Oh, that's <laughs> a lot. Last weekend, I was up in Lake Geneva along with several of the judges here, and uh, we celebrated uh, the life and death of uh, our uh, good friend Gary Gygax by uh, making sure as many people died in our games as
2: possible. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs>
1: I ran, well, I didn't, I didn't specifically run by myself, but uh, with uh, Paul Wolf and uh, Jarrett, I can never pronounce his last name, uh, Crater, I believe, uh, ran a very successful tournament for a remake of the Mall Mall Adventure based off of a uh, strip mall that's actually uh, in uh, town not too far from where I live. And uh, we had quite a few people go in there, and uh, very few of them survived.
2: Jeez, I can only imagine that as a tournament. I remember playing with you at Game Hall, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot of fun. I think a tournament would be a little crazy. Yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. This one was two two tables against each other uh, based on <laughs> political machinations between uh, Mayor Glumpton and the uh, Zor, the Priest of Kiz, the two of them basically vying for political control by sending in two different groups to try and get the tribute that was needed to stave off the Raiders' attacks. Uh, at some point, at, at a pseudo-random point during the four-hour session, uh, both groups meet in the food court and duke it out to the death. Nice. Lovely. And Very did you get a chance
0: cool. to play anything, Reed?
1: Uh, yes. I actually uh, the, I only got to play one event, but it was worth it. I got to play in uh, David Beatty's uh, uh, Dark Trails. Uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Don't Swallow the Worm. Very nice. cool. Um, I know I've uh, I've I've played in several of his and and uh, at one point I was going to help him write some of Dark Trails, but uh, the American Survival Guide pretty much sucked up my whole life, so uh, couldn't really help out with that. Although we're 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 in good terms with that because he he wanted to help out with the American Survival Guide and he has no bandwidth for that either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh there is uh rumors in the works that uh perhaps next gary Con we're going to be running a interesting dual uh event in which i'll be running the dark trails and he'll be running the american survival guide and both events are going to be revolving around a train heist Ooh, Ooh, Very man. cool.
0: that's amazing
2: oh wow yeah very merging cool. the the systems like that very cool
0: and Julian, have you? Were you able to get any gaming done this week? <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> uh, we. Yeah, it was completely bonkers. Had a blast. Went most of the way toward losing my voice. Played in three games. Ran four games. Uh, ran Warlords of Atas, as I was calling it. Uh, continued my Warlords of Atas world tour for Mutant Crawl Classics. Uh, which was especially excellent because notably we did not have any, we did not have a TPK in that session, which I think was the first of the four I had run that didn't end in a TPK. And then I actually got to talk uh, to judge Jim about that at breakfast the next morning and share uh war stories about ATOS. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> Obviously just hanging out with Jim is pretty great in its own terms. So uh, yeah, that was really, uh, that was fun. Uh, that's just a super fun adventure. And then um, also around and, uh, of course, Nowhere City funnel that I've been working on uh, that I thought went really well. It was quite bloody. And uh, <laughs> I, w- I will say Jim Sketch emerged as not only the only survivor, but in this funnel game, it's kind of a, an in-game tournament where the characters may end up battling to the death. And, in fact, he was not only the last character standing, the last zero-level character standing, he had both last characters standing. Oh, jeez. And at the end of the game, he, one of his characters killed the other of his characters because that's how he wrote. There could
1: only be one.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and then I ran some uh, DD. I ran uh, Tomb of Aethering the Dam from the Book of Treasure Maps by uh, an old Judges Guild thing. And of course, Teagle Manor and had a blast. It was, uh, wait, well, you know, it was awesome. And I got to play in Lankmar in the tournament with Judge Jen. Yay. Tournament. Yay. Well, not in the tournament. Sorry. In tournament. the, um, yeah. It wasn't a tournament. It was a Madhouse meet, right? Yes, it was. That was fun. We rolled we rolled hard in that adventure though, I think. Uh,
2: yeah, just just a little. There there was a little bit of uh I think intertable manipulation there, but, but dude, that that one guy, every time I looked at him, he was just grinning from ear to ear and afterward. So he and I were both squeeing like little girls. <laughs> <laughs> It was really nice. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
3: That's yeah. awesome. I was in my um, psychotic fighter mode for that game. I really only have like three modes as a player.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in mind.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry to say. So that that's slightly inebriated,
1: very inebriated in Dougcom? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. probably that's something
2: fair. like
0: that. For yeah. 10 a.m., yeah. <laughs> and Jen, how about you?
2: Gary GaryCon was wonderful and amazing and, you know, everything that it should be. I, I always call it the family reunion, but with people you like. Nice. Uh, nice. I ran the first game of MCC ever, doing a playtest for Harley, and I realized that my adoration for Mr. Stroh has bounds. I don't know that I'll run MCC for, uh, for something higher level in a con setting until I'm a little bit more familiar with it. I nearly had my first TPK ever, but Jim Scatch thwarted that to uh, during a funnel. And Here's that name again. I know, right? It's that one guy. The one I ran, family. And actually, uh, Haley and I had a really great time. We got to play in uh, one of Harley's games. Through a course of events, we ended up on the same side, and we sat back and kind of watched the guys self-destruct. Third game of Harley's, I am still have not been killed. I'm <laughs> putting that out there. Got to meet Stephen Newton for the first time, which was really nice, because I've been working with him since... Well, gee, before I've been working with any other DCC people, I ran my first sandbox at a convention. Uh, talk about mm. twitching in my boots. Yeah, I ran a a scheduled off book. Yes, that's contradictory, but it's intentional. (laughs) A number of people had said they wanted to get into the Lankmar games, but there just weren't enough slots. So I ran something off book downstairs at the lounge. They were tucked into one of the dark, cozy booths. And with the lighting and everything, it just really set the mood for that seedy sitting at the Silver Eel and plotting everything. Mm. And then we wrapped it up Sunday night. We traditionally... Have like a Cthulhu game or something that Bob will run. And uh, we ended up in one of the boardrooms right next to the group with uh, Luke and them. Hey, we got all the leftover
0: munchies too. (laughs) Nice. What did you
2: end up getting to play in, Jeff?
0: Yeah, so this was my first Gary GaryCon, and I had a blast. I ended up playing in Frank Mentzner's Lib Adventure, and at one point during the game, I realized that the person sitting next to me lives 12 blocks away from me, and is interested in getting into DCC, and also has an opening in her AD&D group, so that was pretty fortuitous. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And I got to play in Daniel J. Bishop's Tomb of the Squonk. I was in John Hershberger's uh, Caverns of Thracia, and I played that along with Julian here. Yes. Yes. Mm. That was really a great experience. It was cool to see John Hershberger in action and to explore Caverns of Thracia. And I was also, that was my second Caverns of Thracia game, because at one point I was between games. And uh, Dan Domi or Dan Domi saw me in the hallway and just like grabbed he basically grabbed me by the arm and dragged me into a room and was like hey I have openings in my game you have to play and he was running <laughs> he was running caverns of Thracia for DCC so I joined in on that game as well oh. uh, and it's a completely Very different cool. part of the caverns so that was it was it was cool to see different sides of that and I also got to sit in on two different sessions of Bob Brinkman's Call of Cthulhu game uh, the second of which was the one that uh, that Jen was talking about. So I did get to play with Jen once this con and with Julian once. I've not yet played with you guys as judges. I'm excited to do that at some point in the future, but it was fun to be players alongside you at one point over the con.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's just so exciting to meet all of these people. You know, there are so many of these people who I've oh, been yeah. interacting with online and everybody is so friendly and so welcoming. And it's funny because like there are all these people who I've been, you know, I see online, I, I interact with them, but they all like instantly knew who I was. And even people who I haven't interacted with, who I'm just like a fan of, like at one point, I was in the I was in the exhibition booth, and I go up the Northwind Adventures booth, and I introduce myself to Jeff Tulanian, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "I know who you are," and, <laughs> and I'm like, "How do you know who I am?" He's like, "Oh, he's like, I see you online." All right, <laughs> yeah, and I got to buy some original artwork from Doug Kovac, so this will be my first Doug Kovac's original art, which I will be Ooh. framing tomorrow. What'd you get? I got a uh, I got one page from the right on demon crown hill am am i saying that right oh
2: yeah
0: yeah i got one page from there it's a it's a full page illustration of uh shanna and her three ladies fighting fighting this big like metal apocalypse kind of beast Oh cool i also got the full page illustration for the mutations chapter in mcc oh look at you and it's Mm. gorgeous and i am obsessed with woolly mammoths. I have a little stuffed woolly mammoth that I'm not embarrassed to admit that I sleep with and uh, there's a big mutated woolly mammoth as the centerpiece of this of this piece mm. and that makes me very happy <laughs> and one day woolly oh, mammoths fun. will be alive again and I will get to pet one. I know that that's a fact <laughs> Wow that's absolutely Welcome happening. to Jurassic Park <laughs> Right there in Brooklyn <laughs> So with that I guess we should move on to summon email You've got mail. (laughs) Message for you, sir. Summon email. All right, and this segment is Summon Email, where we read emails from our listeners.
2: This one comes from, uh, I'm going to murder that one. Uh, Daniel Neugebauer, maybe? He says, hi, Spellburners, love your podcast, and I'm glad that there are new episodes. I've got a question about NPC spellcasters. Does an NPC wizard use the same spellcasting rules as a PC wizard? Text on page 432 mentions that NPCs use different rules than player characters. I really would like to hear how you handle NPC spellcasters. In the adventures, there's always spells listed for wizards, but do you need them? A freeform wizard would be way easier to run for the judge, or have you memorized every spell already? And when I think of Job's upcoming DCC Dying Earth, I think there are more NPC wizards and perhaps new spells. How do you handle all of this magic quickly and in old school style? Thanks for your answers and keep up the good work. Greetings from Germany, Daniel Neugbauer. It's all right, Daniel. Um, I can I'll look at the letters in your last name and maybe make them make sense. So it's all right. <laughs> 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 so my apologies as well. It's an interesting... Topic for debate. Um, I'm going to throw it at Julian first. Where would you go with the NPC wizards?
3: I, I've done it um, both ways. I I love using wizards as bad guys, or maybe clerics as bad guys, or other spellcasting critters, or whatever manta <laughs> or whatever. So. Um, <laughs> I love I love that and I don't think there's a right or wrong way and I I want to say I can't give you chapter and verse, but I wanna say that in the official, you know, Goodman Adventures published, that I've seen it handled both ways, that you know, somebody will say, Oh, this wizard has these spells and his spell check is plus three and you know, just go look up the spells and roll for him. Whereas in you know, other stab blocks somebody has said you know, just just have it be, you know, a 13 on the spell check result table, and it, which is deep, seven points of damage, and blah, blah, blah. So I, I think it's, it's totally up to the judge or the designer of the adventure or both. And, uh, and in fact, the judge is right for his table, so he can overrule the adventure if he wants for any reason. Um, I don't think there's a really a, a right or wrong answer to it. Um, I use my iPod at the table, so I kind of cue it up when I'm. So, my personal taste has been to actually just, you know, do the – run the NPC like he's a normal wizard. And in fact, I did this in my Nowhere City adventure that I mentioned earlier, and uh, he was rolling dice great. I was just killing guys left and right. It was fun. It's actually kind of fun because you get to play a wizard that little bit in the adventure, so that, <laughs> that's kind of fun. But I think we agree, you know, no burning luck, no spell burning. Generally speaking, because that, you know, you don't want to get this into a weird thing where you're trying to use all those tools to kill the players. That might be a little strange.
2: It's a pretty good take on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I pretty much agree with all of the above. I see nothing wrong with just saying that your wizard just automatically gets a thirteen or a fourteen on all of their spell checks, something along those lines. I'm also fine with if you if you want to roll, roll for it. It's about what's more fun for you. And I would say that if you wanted to do something that wasn't in the book, certainly you could write up a whole spell chart. I know I'm probably not going to do that. So if I wanted to have an NPC wizard do something awesome, like in Bob Brinkman's game over over Garycon, uh, we were walking around, and at one point we walk we walk into this this kitchen, and somebody's uh, arm is completely withered off by this uh, by this uh, witch in another room, and and I loved that. And if I wanted to steal that and put that in a DCC game, I easily could, and I could just say that, you know, when the when the caster casts their spell, that's what happens, and it can just happen the one time. I, that's one of the things that I love about DCC is that it's also open and free form that uh, you can get away with that kind of stuff.
2: Well, if I recall, Bob was still making rolls to see what severity the the spell had when it went off.
0: Oh, I have no idea, but um, I but I, I I'm completely open with it being open and loose like that I think
3: it has um, sorry to tap back into the ring here but I think it has a little to do with where you are in the adventure if you if this is kind of a you know not the main climactic encounter then you might want something kind of predictable it's easier for you to manage as a judge It's easier, you know, it's a little more uh, in the flow of things. But if you're in the big climactic encounter where they're fighting an evil wizard and there's a human sacrifice waiting on the altar (laughs) and all that good stuff, then that role is kind of, everything hinges on that role. If they get a 20, the adventurers are really messed up. If he gets a 1, it's going to be a complete epic fail. They're going to watch a demon eat him at his moment of victory, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So... So, you know, I think sometimes it's more, you know, more important to go to the dice than others. Absolutely. Yeah. And Judge Reed, what would you say?
1: Well, uh, I guess I like to read the table and see exactly where I'm at in the timeline of the adventure I'm running, uh, whether it's a home game or a con game. And if it's early on and I need to impress upon the characters, the import of the, of this wizard or the ineptness of this wizard, uh, I pretty much choose the level of the spell, uh, effect. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty where they're actually, you know, in the trenches fighting against it, or it's a, it's a, a plot point type battle, then, you know, all of the, the, uh, you know, the fudging is off and it's time to just go to the tables and what happens happens.
2: That's a, okay so you prep the result ahead of time
1: oh no ahead of time is a swear word at my table
2: uh, <laughs> oh. that that's fair too
1: <laughs> i mean i, I, don't, th- I don't i don't i i don't think you guys have spent enough time uh, uh, playing with me if i have a sheet of paper in front of me i've cheated
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean the only time i the only reason i ever refer back to the mall mall is because i'm trying to present
3: the adventure the way i wrote it I played with you at i think two game uh two gary Cons oh, yeah Reed and that was that was by the way a ton of fun but my what I remember best at that adventure was I killed another player character with a grenade fumble yep that was so.
1: uh this is Nutra you were at an intersection and yes uh, you accidentally you guys were at all four points of the intersection you accidentally fumbled a grenade under a truck and over by where they were at and killed them with the grenade that was awesome
2: the fact that you can remember all those details after all the games you've run man that's pretty impressive
1: that's it, 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 it something stick with me I mean uh, I <laughs> believe you also played in the uh, uh, glow salt mines of misery adventure did you not
3: uh, me no I don't I no, don't I thought,
1: think I did I could have sworn you you've been at my table twice
2: you may have, you have not- been but you know the the beer runs freely over at game hall.
3: You loaned me Castle Old Skull Reed, yes, so you I were at the table that. with me. You're you you were looking over Castle Old Skull at me, but it was because <laughs> I was the right side of it because it's due to your <laughs> generosity.
1: Yep, yep. No, I remember that. I I remember finding a loophole in your uh, in your spell
3: and uh, kind of breaking things for a bit, which was hilarious. oh yes, yeah. That was a uh, that was a good call. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen Reed's Castle Old Skull, he has a. Is it a converted Castle skull? read? Yep. So when he runs games, he's got this converted old Castle skull that's like a DM's helper kit that has oh, a yeah. pe- pencil holder and a dice uh, roller kind of chute. And um, I think a little Kleenex box in there for the TPK victims. I think and- there's
2: pictures on the G Plus group at some point.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's pretty
1: fun. Yeah, I call it Castle Game Skull just because it, you know, it's it's funny that way. And the uh, the the tissue thing was an add-on. I I just took one of those uh, travel tissues and it fit perfectly in one of the windows, and I just taped it in there. That was brilliant. That's awesome. Oh, it also okay. has a drink
3: holder. So like, <laughs> I I certainly would never drink at a con, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, of course. Not. Mm. Well, it's really good at holding diet grape fago. Wow, oh, <laughs> that's, yes, that's the only thing I drink at a con. So what a coincidence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Julian, would you like to take the next email?
3: I would love to. Yay! And this this is from uh, Joshua O'Connor Rose, and uh, he begins, Hi, I'm a judge in Chicago that likes to promote gaming to the outside world. I picked up the Wizard Cover fourth printing DCC paperback at my first game hold this last November. Also the first con in which I ran events, the Cypher system as a host as well. Almost immediately after cracking it open, I was transported to the good old days, the 80s, when I was the worst player ever, and we trek through giants and vaults and expeditions and went through artifact tables and all that goodness. I immediately joined the G-Plus group and announced that I would host games at the friendly local game store. I joined the road crew and scheduled a funnel adventure at a brand new convention in the area and offered to write and run a DCC adventure at Gen Con for a friend's gaming group. I also started running Sailors on the Starless Sea for a home group, though that's not likely to become a campaign. Well, right, because all the characters are dead. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I also binged Spellburn, my first podcast ever, and I love all the things, all of them. Yeah. By, things, Aww. by Aww. things I think he needs you all. <laughs> I fear that my excitement may wash away and I overconsume before I put actual play under my belt. I absolutely feel I'm a bit late in the game missing out on all the great Kickstarters. I did sign up for Gary Khan and I'm looking forward to sitting at Judge Jim's table for Mute Call Classics, and he mentions that most of the other Games were busy already, and so forth. Which, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of high demand. But it, hey, you got Judge Jim's, yeah, you got Judge Jim's MCC. That's pretty great. So he closes. While I don't have many questions until I delve into actual play, I really want to thank all of you, Judge Jim, Job, Jeffrey, Jen, and Julian for such a great show. I look forward to more dungeon classic things in the future, uh, Judge
0: Joshua. Ah,
2: very sweet. Now Jeff. Before you feel left out, this was sent to us like a month and a half ago.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I am in no way offended.
2: And actually, I think I had Joshua in one of my games as well. It was pretty cool happenstance
0: now we we
3: edited joshua a little bit for length but he does in the ps mention that he did pretty well in a third edition dcc tournament uh oh, back in the forgotten day. treasure crypt of the devil Lich. that's pretty cool yeah i never played uh, in a d20 era you know third edition type uh, dcc tournament, although I played in I played in one of those older adventures adapted to DCC RPG.
2: Well, and uh, rumor has it there might be a DCC RPG tournament coming to Gen Con this year. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes open. That'll be, I think they're already up to like 180 events on the calendar for just Goodman and DCC related events.
3: It is completely nuts. They've doubled John Hirschberger. Taco John, our uh, event coordinator, uh, shared with me at one point that they have doubled their, uh, you know, DCC slash Goodman events pretty much every year for the last four years. So it's growing. Yeah. yeah. If you double stuff, that <laughs> it starts yeah. to get big pretty fast.
2: Ger- yeah. The Gary numbers were up by like 600 from last year. Yeah. They hit 1700 plus this year.
3: That's wild. For For all events, you mean.
2: For all events,
3: yeah, total the, attendance.
2: The amount of DCC events on the the board were easily a third more than the year before.
0: Awesome. So, it's, awesome.
2: Growth is good.
0: Have I mean, you guys already booked for next year?
2: Uh, I may have booked on Friday night or Saturday. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I did too. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: but they'd released the dates yet. Oh
0: yeah, uh,
2: they hadn't. But they had the group rate available by Saturday. They didn't have the dates written down, but once they put it into their system, it was right there. I know it was super sneaky, but... Yeah, yeah. and if
0: you, call the, <laughs> if you call the resort right now, you can absolutely just say that you want to book for GaryCon and they've got the dates and everything set aside. Yeah. Hmm, I may have to do that. I think I'll make it my
2: goal to try to play with all the different DCC judges.
0: Yes. Well, I absolutely. guess I have to
2: run too, though. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so it's probably time for us to move on over to Mighty Deeds. Wait a second.
2: I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. Ow.
0: Mighty Deeds. All right, we are now in Mighty Deeds, and we are going to spend some time chatting with uh, Reed Sanfilippo. So, Reed, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Crawling Under a Broken Moon, Uh, specifically a a description of the setting?
1: Sure. Uh, Let's see. It was about... Three and a half years ago, uh, a friend of mine insisted that I should check out uh, Gender Call Classics because he thought it was right up my alley. Um, this was after I had been running uh, a uh, a uh, Castles of Crusades campaign f- uh, in, uh, uh, for that group for uh, quite a while. And uh, so I borrowed the book, and within hours of reading it, I realized that it was the perfect system for my ideal thunder the barbarian style campaign because i grew up on thunder the barbarian it was the best thing ever (laughs) and uh and so i I, you know i brought that back to him and he's like oh that's kind of cool so he started introducing me to all the dcc isms including uh the zines And uh, so I took a look at Crawl, and at that point, uh, Crawl Jammer was on its third issue, and I think the second issue of Metal Gods had come out. And uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Crawl itself was on issue nine, maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took a look at that, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I could do that. So instead of just running a campaign, I contacted all three of them. Uh, since I had a, I have a degree in web design and in uh, graphic design, I knew what kind of questions to ask as far as how did they set up their files, how, do, how did they take things to the printer. And since I was asking pertinent questions and was very nice about it, they gave me all their info. And lo and behold, within two months, I had the first issue, Crawling Under Broken Moon, which was dedicated to bringing a... A near apocalypse, Thunder of the Barbarian, uh, cyborgs and aliens and wizards all roaming around in the same party together style type of campaign. <laughs>
2: nice. That's uh, pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, Just that's two really
1: months? cool. Yeah, well, that, that kind of stuff's been stirring around in my brain for ages, and I've been writing on and off for different role playing game companies since '98. So it wasn't exactly my first rodeo as far as writing stuff. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, it was definitely my first into anything related to d c c and it just kind of came naturally. you know the idea was is it's it's you know how far away from the apocalypse you know is it uh it could be decades, it could be hundreds of years, but it's certainly not thousands of years and uh, because the dimensional energies and cosmic energies are all messing around with the planet uh. You know, Entropy is pretty much up to the game master's whim. You could have things <laughs> that should be intact to be dust, and things that should be dust. Uh, perfectly intact, and I even I covered that a little bit in the zines, and I cover that actually, uh, you know, in the uh, game master section of the new book uh, uh, to a more of an extensive point, so that uh, you know it's not just hand wavy; it, it's actually kind of part of the setting. But uh, very cool. You know, the idea being that you know you can have your your warrior who wields a two headed sword made from a helicopter rotor blade standing <laughs> next to uh, a robot that can fly and has a, a unit in them that allows them to cast something that's kind of like spells but not quite. Uh, standing next to, uh, what looks to be a 10 year old child that'll never, ever grow old or die, uh, from natural causes. Anyways, um, <laughs> next to a gray alien that is, uh, just there to uh, collect data. Really? That's all that they're there for. They're just, uh, you know, don't, 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 uh, you know, nothing to see here. I'm just a mutant, really just a mutant, not an alien, you know, next to a, uh, you know, a three and a half foot tall, three and a half foot wide badger man with a big beard and a tanker to beer. <laughs> and so, uh, right next to Gandalf.
2: So is this the ti- The only time that you've been able to purge all of this from your brain and put it all into one place?
1: Um, for the most part. Um, when I did some work on Atomic Highway, which was much more of a Mad Max type game uh, with uh, radioactive ape designs, I was able to <laughs> purge some of my uh, stuff. Uh, I wrote the salvage chapter and helped out with some of the other stuff there. But uh, this is the first time I've really been able to get the gonzo out.
3: Mm. I just want to mention, uh I think I was at a table with that Badger man, like <laughs> over and over at Gary Khan. I mean, that badger man with the beer was following me around. <laughs> oh, he might have been.
2: Shh <laughs> <laughs> You don't talk about it in polite company
3: <laughs> what kind of prior rpg stuff did you do i'd never heard about this part of your uh oh uh, um just-
2: in, in
1: 98 i did some work with scapegoat games on the end which was a biblical post apocalyptic game uh it got uh i can't remember what other company bought it and then re put it out as much as it was very much an 80s game there was some Interesting stuff because it was one of the first non-White Wolf games to actually deal with anway uh, and the fact that your characters your character could very much uh, just give up ha- have their will to live kind of drain away from them. Uh, they instead of dying they just basically become ineffective at life and just don't do anything. And they just kind of curl up in a ball and, you know, stop adventuring. God, uh, let's start. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it was a biblical pulse apocalypse. So it was, it was, uh, about the end of the world and about, you know, religion and stuff like that. So, uh, Duh! Uh, was it,
2: was it there <laughs> the whole you know satanic D and D movement? Uh, no, it, the idea was it it
1: was it was a play off of the meek shall inherit the earth. So it was a kind of a misrepresentation uh, of that of those scriptures in the fact that those who were really bad went to hell, and those who were really good went to heaven, and those who were kind of bland didn't go anywhere and ah. they got left. Mm. So uh, that you know they're the ones who got it, who inherited the world that was slowly but surely being taken apart, but it was a very you know the it was going to be generations and generations of just uh, of a world that no longer had a devil to torment it nor a god to protect it. So it was all the minor entities that were left over that basically controlled
3: everything.
2: Wow. Fascinating. So,
3: so were all these uh, the, – now, is this a pattern? Are all your uh, RPGs uh, creativity post-apocalyptic in nope. nature?
1: Um, uh, when Simon Washburn uh, created the supers with an exclamation point game, uh, <sighs> I created a random character generator for it and uh, he loved it. When Hazard Studios bought the rights to that game, they approached me and asked me to actually revamp that to fit with their revised version and made it part of the book itself.
0: Oh, neat. Very cool. So, Reed, uh, you, I, I, I've, I've, and we'll talk about the American Survival Guide in a moment, but I, I was looking sure. in the back of it, and I saw the that you had an appendix in, which is fantastic, and you've mentioned Mad Max, and you've mentioned Thundar. I'm curious what other kind of inspirations led you to crawling under a broken moon a lot
1: <laughs> i'm I'm gonna actually refer back to my appendix n because otherwise i'm not gonna be able to organize myself into any sort of time slot that you, you guys can tell um of course i'm having to load the file and the
3: files will take four <laughs>
1: Well, you got um, you got thunder
2: out be nice. of the way. Well, I, <laughs> I like
1: I liked you know, thunder uh, was you know definitely forming things you know in my mind at a very young age, and uh, I I liked uh, Jason the Wield Warriors due to the. Saturday morning cartoon version of the Mad Maxian and stuff. Plus, their vehicles were just ridiculously stupid. Uh, I liked, I liked the westerny style, frontier, lawlessness type of atmosphere of a post-apocalyptic. Uh, so, I actually, you know, I while I don't attribute a lot of westerns to it, I do uh, like westerns for that feel but then you've got the gonzo-ness of uh of all of the uh uh, uh possibilities of of uh, fantastic mutations going on all right so here here we go let's <laughs> see i loved uh car wars i liked the idea of all the car battles Uh, and, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the idea that was a sport that people actually wanted to pay money for it. Uh, when I started reading, I loved, uh, hero's journey, which I know you guys are familiar with from, uh, other, uh, podcasts and such. Uh, I loved the, uh, the idea of a, of a guy riding a half, half bear or a half, half moose, half horse, and having a psychic bear as a friend that just rocked
2: telepathic moose yes <laughs> uh
1: when it came out i love adventure time uh it is just crazy cakes yeah. uh <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going to be happening with that um but i also like things like uh noska and the valley of the wind that when at first the the bootleg copies of that first started coming over to america and uh i had to you know deal with really 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 bad fan subs of it just the uh The, the idea that, uh, some, you know, the the earth had become so poisoned. That these toxic forests have to, had to rise up in order to, uh, uh, you know, as as you know, relate later in the story, uh, cleanse all the toxins out and all of the you know the the insect invaders were there just to protect the forests and it was all just a a big a big a big picture plan of uh, Mother Earth trying to fix the wasteland that man, that man had created. You know, I loved that type of an idea.
3: Okay,
2: that's neat. Yeah. So if
1: you haven't seen Nosca Valley of the Wind, you really should. Okay. Let's see. Oh, loved Planet of the Apes. I loved the idea of oh. man of men doing you know uh, stuff and uh, creating intelligent apes and then apes ruling the earth and then the apes destroying the earth and just that that whole circular time thing going on, which was the gonzo part of it, where it was it, if you watch all five movies, they go in a circle.
0: And I see Uh you also include Beyond Thunderdome, which I know many people uh, Like to pretend doesn't exist Oh, uh, well, yeah
3: (laughs) We don't need another Hero (laughs) It's a good thing because this movie doesn't have one (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been singing On Spellburn before?
2: Uh, Will there ever be again? I think is the more important question Our listeners are asking right now
3: Email us and tell us how much you liked our our little duet there. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Reed, okay. can you tell us about no. how uh, the Zine has turned into this this next phase, the Kickstarter and the American Survival Guide?
1: Well, I have to say that I always had an ulterior motive of I wanted to try the Zine out to see one if people were interested in my setting at all, and two if I could kind of create a fan base for making a book out of it, because I've always wanted to start publishing books on my own versus putting stuff in other people's books.
2: Well, you were kind of formulaic about it from the get-go.
1: In a way, not like in a trying-to-do-people way, but I just wanted to see if people would be interested, but I didn't want to just give them little tidbits. I wanted to give them something that was useful. Okay, and
2: how many many issues do we have in all?
1: uh, There's 18 regular issues, uh, there is one American extra that is all, uh, firearm and grenade, uh, fumble charts and critical charts. And then there is one that's not tr- really a post-apocalyptic, but it's truly a generic supplement, which is mind games in which I took a second edition AD and D approach to, uh, creating psionic rules for DCC.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, read how much of this material is going to make it into the American Survival Guide?
1: None of it, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> Bonus! No, uh, no well, just, just in the basic zine alone, there's 475 pages. So there's definitely not going to be all of it. The best way to put it is I have taken uh, a good portion of, of the main character classes and I've upgraded them and uh, revised them so that they are much better. And uh, especially the mutant. The mutant has been heavily revised uh, the mutation system is now independent of the mutant class, you know, to where everyone can get mutations now. And the mutant simply has a, uh, an advantage to uh, surviving the mutation uh, system with uh, less uh, issues. All of the... Uh, uh, not all the monsters will will be taken over, but uh, some of the, the good ones will end up being in the uh, Twisted Menagerie Manual. Uh, most of the car... Uh, battle, uh, you know, the vehicle uh, stuff has been brought over and revised and updated um and expanded but not everything so it's not like if you have the zines or don't have the zines that there's not going to be stuff in there for you there's plenty of character classes plenty of monsters um plenty of of the small interesting places to die information that is not coming over (laughs) um but you know uh what i consider essential things like uh, the information on the gods has all been expanded greatly um the patrons have been expanded
2: Ah. And looking over our our beloved Kickstarter right now, let's see. We have a dozen new or revised character class options, mm-hmm. and nine of which are unique to America. Is that this particular book or the setting as a whole?
1: It's unique to the setting as a whole. I believe the only one that is absolutely unique to the book is the Fasorian, which is the bearded badger folk person, you know, people that I was talking about. The idea being that uh, originally I was saying that Elves and Dwarves and Halflings existed in Numerica, and I decided that while you can certainly use those classes if you want, which I address in Appendix C, uh, I wanted to replace them. Uh, so the Gray is the Elf equivalent, okay. and the Fissorian is the is the Dwarf equivalent. And the feral urchin is the halfling equivalent. So the feral urchin is like a lost one of the lost boys, a lost child. Uh, they basically uh, meet up with other lost children, and they just stop aging at that point, kind of Peter Pan style. Okay. And uh, Fasorians are just uh, are, are, are uh, stocky. Bearded badger folk with bad attitudes that uh, uh, are very good at digging and uh, 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 really, really have problems with bright, bright light, so they tend to wear eye protection. Okay. And uh, the greys are uh, aliens that uh, are sent down to uh, uh, to Earth to. Uh, do research in a very, very broad-spectrum kind of way, and uh, basically to go down there and adventure and collect data in order to appease their uh, Directorate Masters.
2: All right. So those are the three specific to your setting. Right. Scrolling down, yeah, you talk about the mutations that are going to be included, the new piecemeal armor system...
1: Um, one that I, 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 I did I, I did forget is originally the uh, Crawling Under Broken Moon used the robot that originally appeared oh. uh, under Mystic Bull. I rewrote a robot class completely from the ground up, and that is new in the book as well.
2: Oh, I, and I love your phrasing here. It's got a new chassis. Very nice. <laughs> 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 I've got classes, mutations, the armor system, vehicle creation, and Oh, and and you inserted your vehicle combat system. Yep. There we go. And Um, the Pantheon. Wow. Yeah, this this is a pretty meaty Kickstarter, guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And right now, as we're recording this, it still has 12 days to go. And Reed, you've passed your initial goal, and you've got some other stretch goals and cool stuff going on. So you want to tell us about that? Sure.
1: Yeah. The initial uh, right now we're sitting at a uh, $11,600. The era uh, the initial pledge was for a uh, goal was for 7,000. So we blew that away in the three and a half days. So nice. thank you to nice. everybody who pledged I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we have, uh, blown through the $9,000 pledge, uh, our stretch goal of the Twisted Menagerie Manual, which is going to be a monster book because Uh. I am, uh, just adamant that you must have monster books. I don't know why there's not a thousand monster books for DCC and I'm going to do my best to rectify that over the years. (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to, uh cull some of the best monsters from the zine, update them, and include adventure hooks and a lot more stuff to them. Uh, But I'm also going to put a whole bunch of new monsters that have not been... Uh, released into the uh, time of day, uh, so that uh, people can, uh, you know, not say that they're just—it's a bunch of rehash. Noop, noop, noop. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff as well. <laughs> At eleven thousand dollars, we unlocked "Children of the Sun Gazetter" from uh, 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 Sean Ellis.
2: At the gazetteer?
1: Uh, yep, yep. The "Children of the Sun Gazetteer." Sorry. Yeah, um, no, it's okay. It is uh, a very interesting area that he's created down there in which uh mexico resurged their uh, worship of uh their deities except the deities aren't exactly what you'd remember them to be <laughs> and uh the world down there is pretty awful uh the only reason that they survive is because of these deities that they worship and uh it's a it's 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 a mixture of what we would consider the old Aztec culture with this new uh, post-apocalyptic world setting, uh, and how it all meshes together—it it was really amazing how uh, how uh, Sean threw it all together to make it a uh, interesting place to die. Mm-hmm.
2: It it sounds pretty cool. Now the the Menagerie and the Gazetteer are both PDFs with a print on demand, so they'll be separate booklets, right?
1: Correct. Right. Okay. They're going to be separate PDFs, and it, as part of the Kickstarter, you could pledge to higher level and get them as a print-on-demand, or you can wait until they are released, and they were going to they're going to be print-on-demand through uh, uh, Drive Through RPG uh, once all the Kickstarter patrons have been completely uh, supplied with their stuff.
2: And so, if we hit the twelve thousand goal. We'll get another 16 monsters thrown into the Menagerie booklet, right?
1: Right. Well, uh, okay. I explained a little further in the update that 16 new monsters on top right. of a whole bunch more monsters taken What's- from the old stuff. So the idea being that there's it's more than just 16 monsters added to it. That's just 16 new monsters on top of the old stuff. It's this uh, is new gonna-
2: writing that hasn't happened yet. Yes. Very cool. Oh, and I see that 14, we might get something from our friend Forrest.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, we have uh, the uh, Killer of Giants adventure. Uh, I know he ran something like it at Gary Khan and it was very popular with his players, uh, but he's going to be converting that over to a full uh DCC uh, uh, compatible uh, from... He was running it, I believe, through the original Gamma World system, and uh, fully uh, uh, making it into a mini sandbox adventure set that uh, can be put into any American... Uh, 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 campaign
0: setting. Very cool. Very cool. So, yes. um, Reed, can you talk to us a little bit about how you see MCC Mutant Crawl Classics and Crawling Under a Broken Moon, how you see them existing? Uh, do, you, do you see them working with each other? Do you see them as being very separate entities? How compatible are they? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, well, for first of all, uh, let me just start by saying that I was at first worried that there was going to be some sort of uh, friction between myself uh, and Jim uh, when uh, uh, he was writing that. But once once he turned in his first draft, I found out he went right away and bought all my stuff and read it and thought it was great. And uh, when I found this out, I was just floored that he liked my stuff.
2: And well, uh, yeah, He made a really big point about not reading your Material because he didn't want to sully his own IP, which right you know, makes sense. But it just meant that he couldn't weigh in on anything that we were talking about, you know, regarding your setting.
1: Oh, right, right. No, I, 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 I misunderstood it first about that. But then, since we've actually sat down and done breakfast together at conventions and talked about things, awesome. um, We're both fans of each other's work, which is which is makes it so much easier. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, but mine is a more, uh uh, 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 a close apocalypse. Everyone still understands what vehicles are, what guns are, what machines are, uh, what buildings are for the, for that matter, what skyscrapers do.
2: So you don't have to disguise an artifact like a ballpoint pen by saying it's right. a weird cylinder that pushes in on one side and yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Whereas his is far in the future where all common, what we would consider modern knowledge has been pretty much lost except for very, very few people. And as such, it, it, you know, you, you've got that thing where anything that would be uh, common to us, you have to, to uh, really think about how do you want to explain it and how do you want to deal with it. His setting is so different from where I'm at, it, with uh, with the Crawling Under Broken Moon in an America world, that uh, I think you could enjoy both of them. Uh, I know that uh, uh, we both enjoy each other's worlds. Uh, as far as materials, uh, have, having had a a peek at the MCC stuff, uh, and having spoken with uh, Jim and uh, uh, with Joseph extensively on it, I don't see a tremendous problem between the materials. Um, There's no official license, so there's no official everything is compatible type uh, 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 statements that can be made at this point, but I don't think anybody's going to be having any problems uh, taking some of their favorite material from one uh, and uh, doing something to bring it over to the other one I don't think it's going to be much
3: of uh, huge difficulty Go ahead. I think that's I think that's fair I mean having I've play tested MCC a fair amount and I've run um Broken Moon like twice uh and read a lot of that material and by the way I I uh with your help and permission read of course I'll mention that I uh actually t- drew on some of your firearms rules for Nowhere City so appreciate your uh, openness and friendliness in helping me do that oh, no problem. Um, but uh you know I'll I'll kind of maybe I I think the way you characterize the difference uh is really is pretty spot on maybe an additional way to to call that out is to say, you know, I think Jim's got a whole new game, but it still draws on uh, Gamma World tradition very heavily for those old schoolers amongst us. Kind of the early early Gamma World
2: Metamorphosis Alpha. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And and Reed's um, Broken Moon is really, I mean, a big kitchen sink. You can throw grays in there. You can throw cyborgs in there. I mean, you just throw absolute. You know, you you can do almost anything with it. It's a little. It doesn't have that kind of coherence on the one hand, maybe as much. I don't, or maybe it does. I don't know. But but it's very flexible and very. Uh, I think it's a little more, maybe a little more gonzo actually, just in terms of how. Um, well, that's a
2: good way to put it.
3: Yeah, it's. You can have the post-apocalyptic world be aliens or known or unknown or whatever, and the near thing, I think, is spot on. I also want to point out, of course, Broken Moon has Clown Knight. Does it? <laughs> does does, uh, does, what, the American, does the American uh, survival guide have Clown Knights? Uh, the, the Clown Knights are uh, effectively
1: paladins of, of Buddy O'Burger, the clown god of customer service feasting and cannibalism
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: hell uh, yes this is that those <laughs> are one of the, these are one of the things that is not converted over from the zine to the american survival guide but is still perfectly canon um at some point uh buddy oberger may get some more treatment uh in a supplement in which the clown knights will be Uh, uh, focused on some more. But at this point, they are going to remain a uh, fixture of the zines.
2: Now, uh, I'd like to put in here for our listeners, if you're looking for this, do not look for Umerica. You will not find it on Kickstarter. Look for Umerican with an N at the end. And mm-hmm. that'll that'll bring this up. Yeah. We're also gonna put a, a link on the site as well. But if you're listening to this and can't wait and you're trying to find it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Umerican.
0: Yeah,
1: I have no idea why the search engine requires that final N in order for it to uh, to function. I uh, was kind of surprised myself.
2: Get on over there. This project ends on April 12th. So you've got a little bit yet to uh, get it up there. Maybe we can see forest story um, or adventure. I'm sorry. More monsters and eventually possibly a deck of twisted terrors.
1: Yes. Um, I don't know how many of you remember back in the day. Uh, I think it was 81 to 82 uh, TSR put out a set of index cards that had a color picture of a monster on one side. And then the stats for that monster on the other side, they were put out in four sets, just monster cards set one, two, three, and four. I loved those things. I wish I could uh, go back to my former self and slap him around when he went to get rid of those things, because I'd like to have my set back. But I thought, since I'm already organizing the monster book, why not do a little bit more organizing and have a set of cards? So it's going to be a set of tarot-sized cards with a black-and-white image of the monster on one side and an abbreviated set of information about that monster on the other side. You, The Game Master can make a random encounter deck of their choosing from all the cards and shuffle them. And then you, instead of taking the card from the top of the deck, you just cut the deck. And whatever card is on top after you cut it, that's what the players run into. The players get to see what the monster looks like. The game master gets to see what the stats are, and it's uh, a nice alternative to uh, trying to make up a random encounter table for an adventure for that particular session.
2: Not bad. And drive-through RPG will print that, or
1: drive-through cards. It's a sister site to Drive-Through RPG. They will do uh, playing cards and they will do tarot-sized cards to order. Cool. Awesome
2: very cool and if we get high enough it looks like there's more additions to the menagerie and road gangs of the American Wastelands and oh yeah, okay, I, I, I want the road gangs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one that I, I had trouble putting up as high as it
1: was, but I had to I had to sort the you know, all of these different stretch goals into some level of an order. And that ended up being higher up than I'd like it, but uh, that's gonna focus on a bit of the Mad Maxness of it. Without uh, forgetting the Gonzo, so you know some of those road <laughs> gangs are going to be made up of aliens. Some of them are going to be made up of undead. Some are going to be made up of robots. Some are going to be all of the
2: above. Sounds a little bit like, um, yeah, I think this and Inferno Road would play nicely together. Oh,
3: definitely. You, yeah, oh, oh, huh? yeah. you
2: Guys, get a chance to get in there.
3: No, I will. Uh, Wednesday at Gen Con will be that. Will be my my date night with inferno road i think
2: (laughs) i i understand gary con was a little bit of um uh, we'll say trial run for it um yeah it was it was kind of interesting um (laughs) yeah we we've got the um we've got the link in here that we'll put in for you for all that so you guys can go in and pledge and we'll also put in the link for crawling under a broken moon so you guys can see what we're talking about
0: Fantastic. And Reed, before we wrap this up, I just really quick want to ask you about the two different covers. They're both gorgeous. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about them.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: well, it did not escape me that, uh, every single,
1: uh, edition of, of of, of, DCC has come out with multiple covers and, uh, people seem to like this phenomenon. So, uh, when I, uh, I first approached uh, uh, Nate to do a cover for me for Mind Games, I was flabbergasted that he did an oil painting for me. And I said, hey, would you be willing to do that again? Uh, He said, sure. So I did a poll on a couple different ideas I had for the American Survival Guide cover. And amazingly, two of them came up neck and neck at 40% each. So I said, well, why do one cover when I can do two covers at twice the price? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so i did <laughs> that's the attitude so i so i gave him both descriptions and he came up with both of these covers and i have no regrets for uh you know coming up with both of them because i like them both but most everybody has a favorite tell me what uh what's what your guys's favorites here uh the green one Yeah, the one that's mostly green is the Delve, in which it's a bunch of people going around a mall. You can see where that concept came from. And then the Chase is where you've got a whole bunch of uh, Velociraptor bikers going after a uh, three-person adventuring team uh, driving around on a Jeep.
2: And one of those three is a robot, it looks like, with a cowboy yep. hat?
1: A robot with a cowboy hat. We have a Hawaiian shirt-wearing a uh, wizard and uh, <laughs> an elf woman with some sort of a uh, strange rifle.
0: Yeah. Wow. I think they're both great, but the chase cover is absolutely, hands down, my favorite.
2: Yeah, the wraparound for it is, is really great. They're both wraparound covers, which is good.
3: I'm going Delve because to me it almost feels like it's darker, I think, right? I don't have it up, but I know that. I remember that image. If it's what I'm thinking of, it's dark. They look almost like space marines going down or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. It's cool. All right. So with this, we're going to move on over to Patron Bond. Who are you? Your new lord and master. What orders from Mordor, my lord? Oh, no.
2: I can't stand its people groveling. Sorry. Patron Bond.
3: And in this segment, we like to award the rating to of our guests or our topic of uh, critical hit, miss, hit. Oh, sorry, the order is all wrong. Critical hit, hit, miss, or fumble.
2: But I don't think it's fair to, to vote on our guest and his product. I think we should award the duet that you guys did.
3: Ooh. One of those ratings. Ooh, the no, duet? no, no, no! <laughs> our, our
0: singing duet. Ooh, I like it. We oh, could okay. rate fumbles
2: if you'd rather. <laughs> Ooh,
1: <yes. laughs> I think you just go. I think you just straight go to, to a fumble vote because I want to see. Because I, I want to see what the fumble tape looks like. Uh,
2: that'll take me a couple of minutes I'll get back to you
3: we uh we're going to uh we're going to rate read a uh critical hit because he is um he was very gracious guest with us we've enjoyed uh broken moon a lot um also his name is not jason hobbs and (laughs) also uh, I think your audio is pretty hot, so we're gonna we're gonna go with that. I think a critical hit all the way. Um, great job!
2: Oh, we gotta stop with those inside jokes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I very much appreciate you guys having me on. It's been an honor.
2: Of course, we we do what we can to support the community, and and when one of our own has a Kickstarter, I mean, I feel incredibly bad that so many have gone through that we at Spellburn didn't, pardon me, did not have the. the time or wherewithal to get together with those authors and go over the Kickstarters. So, you know, it's kind of a, we're here for everybody here. It's, this is not a Goodman games production absolutely
0: so. and we had that email earlier in the episode uh where that guy said that he had missed out on those previous kickstarters and the amazing thing is there's always a new kickstarter yes it's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> there is always a new kickstarter yep and i'm always sending money to it <laughs>
2: yeah, they know where i live yeah
0: yep yep i'm a supporter of this one and i'm excited to get my uh my copy of the chase cover
2: i i think somebody down the hall's uh, got a pledge in, but I threw mine in for a buck so I can keep up, uh, updated with your little emails every now and then.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, well, that's, that's one thing I would like to, to mention. Uh, sorry to sidetrack it, but I found a lot of people at the convention, uh, even though I've mentioned it twi- on the front page and twice in updates, were not aware that if you're a backer, if you go to the very first update, you can download the 200-page draft of the book right now. Oh, yeah, I have it.
2: Wow, that's very generous, sir.
1: Uh, yeah, you could uh, take that dollar, download it, and then go run for the hills and, and uh, have fun for the rest of your life with it for a dollar.
2: We here at Spellburn do not advocate this practice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, neither do I, because I'd kind of like you to pay a little bit more for it, but, you know, you could. I'm just being yeah, honest it- here.
2: Goes towards the printing costs and whatnot of the large book, right? Right. Because the add-ons are the pay-on de- print-on-demand, right?
1: No, actually, the, the base book is print-on-demand. The entire oh, uh, the entire whole project is, is print-on-demand.
2: Oh. Yes.
1: Everything is print-on-demand, oh, um, but it does fancy. pay for the art, which goes into the print-on-demand.
2: <laughs> That's true. Very few artists. Or writers give their stuff for free these days. So right. by by supporting this project, we're also supporting fellow people in our community.
1: Right. That 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 is that that is the majority of, of the costs is right is, you know, paying per
0: word for the writing and paying for all of the art.
2: And that that's awesome. Very admirable.
0: Absolutely. Well, Reed, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us and tell us about the project. It's uh, really cool hearing about it. Well,
1: thank you for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. It's been great. It's been fun. And uh, I'd love to do it again sometime.
0: (laughs) And we'd love to have you back. So I think with that, we're going to uh, say our goodbyes. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, you can contact us at theband@spellburn.com. Good night, everyone.
2: Have a great night, guys.
0: Good night and game on. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Spellburn. Term. Copyright 2017.